You might remember Mallory McMorrow from her incredible speech in the Michigan State House last year. Actually, exactly a year ago. Alex Wagner had her on to discuss how other states can follow in the footsteps of Michigan. I don't know if you remember, but before the November election, Michigan was becoming one of the worst states. So it's a success story and hopefully a blueprint. One of the most prominent examples of someone pushing back against a reactionary agenda is Michigan State Senator Mallory McMorrow. One year ago yesterday, McMorrow became a household name when she delivered this rebuke to Republicans in her state. I didn't expect to wake up yesterday to the news that the senator from the 22nd district had overnight accused me by name of grooming and sexualizing children in an email fundraising for herself. So I sat on it for a while wondering why me? And then I realized because I am the biggest threat to your hollow, hateful scheme because you can't claim that you are targeting marginalized kids in the name of quote parental rights if another parent is standing up to say no. Can Democrats across the country take a similar stand against creeping authoritarianism? How do they overcome the structural advantages that have allowed Republicans to rule from the minority? Well, I have just the person to ask. Joining us now is Democratic Michigan State Senator Mallory McMorrow. She's also the Senate's Majority Whip. State Senator McMorrow, thank you for joining us tonight. You are quite the person to talk to on this topic. And I, I guess I'd just first start with, you know, the big, big question I think a lot of people are asking right now, which is, it is, is it a fundamental flaw in our democracy that a minority is able to rule like this and exercise their power in what feels like a very anti-democratic fashion? It absolutely is. And I, you see this creeping because so many of our states are so badly gerrymandered. That's exactly what happened in Michigan, where because of gerrymandering that allows the Republican Party to regain control and remain in control, they continue to flank further and further to the right extreme. And that works its way all the way up to our federal government. I just wonder, though, some of this is coming in part in legislatures, and some of it is Republicans judge shopping and judges having ever more power when they run into legislation they don't like. Uh, when we're talking about abortion, for example, the arguments over Mifepristone, some of this is from fueled by what we are told is a grassroots minority that is organized and angry on the topic of quote unquote parental rights. I mean, does it surprise you, setting aside the gerrymander question, that the Republican Party, which knows it needs to actually do some winning here, is embracing topics that just don't have national support. I mean, at some point, they do need to win something legitimately. And in order to do so, don't they need to adopt some kind of policy that has some kind of broad popularity? You know, if you, if you watch the 2022 results here in Michigan, Michigan is now a blue trifecta state for the first time in 40 years because we sent such a loud rebuke to this brand of Republican politics, where Tudor Dixon, the Republican candidate for governor, ran her entire campaign on anti-trans legislation, despite the fact that only two kids in a state of 10 million people a year apply for the waiver to play on a sports team that matches their gender identity. The Republican Party themselves put out a report following the 22 election that noted they ran more ads about trans women in sports than they did about inflation. And if that's not an indication coming from inside the house that there's a problem, I don't know what it is, but the lesson they seem to have taken away from the results in places like Michigan is not to come back to where a majority of people are. It's to double and triple down on crazy. So we have to take the bail off, reveal it for what it is and point out that it's just ridiculous and it's not solving anybody's real problems. What, what, do you, what is it about the trans, the trans kid that you point out, the, the vanishing um there's no evidence, really, that this is a, a, something that Americans broadly are grappling with, right? This this idea of trans ch child trans athletes in sports. What is it about that issue that so fixates and animates the Republican Party? 
because it's fear. You know, if you think about just the numbers, the fact that there are two kids in a state of 10 million people who could go through this process, that means that it is very likely that a majority of people have never met a trans person, at least that they know of. And if you just look at, you know, the, the instances of gun violence over the weekend where we saw an 85-year-old man fire a gun at a kid who knocked on his door and has already admitted it's because he was paranoid, it's because of the NRA, it's because he was watching Fox News and believes that everybody's out to get him. And it is legislating and governing by fear. It's really easy to fear something that you don't understand. And it's just classic scapegoating. Do you think that argument, and I agree with you, I think fear is so central to all of this, but do you think that that concept of fear and fear mongering extends to the abortion question? Because that seems to be, I mean, there seems to be a number of sort of cross currents there. There's a very, very engaged, hardcore anti-choice movement that is in large part powering this against what is political reality, the political reality that the GOP faces on this topic. But as a, as a sort of organizing factor, do you, I mean, is fear part of it? Is it, is it misogyny? What, I mean, what about people having uh, bodily autonomy scares Republicans? I mean, all of these things intersect. We believe it or not just had a vote here in the Michigan State Senate to repeal a ban on couples living together before they get married. Michigan is currently one of only two states that has this ban on the books. And five or six Republicans voted to keep the law on the books in the year 2023. It is absolute madness. But what we saw with Dobbs is once the Dobbs decision came down, you could no longer have this conversation in extremes because previously there had always been a backstop. So Republicans could use rhetoric that was extreme because they knew that there was always the protection. But once Dobbs came down and that protection went away, what we saw here in Michigan is in Republican areas, Democratic areas, rural areas, urban areas, women were having real conversations about all of the many ways that a pregnancy can go wrong, that your birth control can fail, and you could no longer just message based on fear because this was suddenly real and in michigan we had an abortion ban that was about to go into effect if we didn't act republicans are on the losing side of this issue and the same is true for lgbtq issues once we reveal the reality and we connect it to the fact that they're just distracting again from you know running more trans anti-trans ads than they did ads about inflation we gotta show people this is just to make you so angry and hateful and fearful about something you may never live through or never experience that you don't even notice that they don't care about you either. I do. I do think that there, there are some parts of our, our democracy. There are certain institutions that really that really lend themselves to um, minority tyranny, if you will. The Supreme Court, the Electoral College, the way our sort of the, the, the way that sparsely populated states are dramatically overrepresented in our electoral system. It seems like the lower courts, especially, are really, really important in this moment in terms of fighting off this kind of creeping authoritarianism. And I, I wonder if you think the Democrats are aggressive enough, if they're doing enough. I'll ask you, there's a huge debate about Dianne Feinstein, the the senator who is ill right now and the complications that that illness has uh, give risen, given risen to in terms of Democrats moving Joe Biden's nominees through the courts. Do you have a position on that? And do you think generally the Democrats are being aggressive enough as given the state of affairs with the Republican Party? I think we are finally starting to learn how to be more aggressive. And I say that watching how much energy and awareness there was about the Wisconsin Supreme Court race, about the awareness about what's happening in Tennessee in that state legislature, about what is happening in Nebraska. And I think for too long, Democrats really looked for the shiny new thing at the top. Who was the one person who was going to be our new hope? We saw how much money Democratic donors donated to Amy McGrath, $96 million to try to defeat Mitch McConnell when we were ignoring everything else. That's changing. And 
we have to keep going and recognize that it's the entire infrastructure. It is the local courts, it's your state legislature, it's your state Supreme Court, all the way on up. If Dobbs did anything, it showed how important the states are, that states are the front lines, and we've got to keep our attention here and not get distracted by Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump and whatever is happening at the top that's just going to be absolute madness for the next year. Well, we're keeping an eye on what Ron DeSantis is doing in the state of Florida, although, you know, he is obviously a national player. Uh, there is a lot happening on the ground. We appreciate your time, Democratic Michigan State Senator Mallory McMorrow. Thanks so much for your wisdom and your thoughts this evening. Thank you. We have Short Cast Club.